All right, we're in Lesson 19 today, but we're going to look at the issue of spiritual gifts. A lot of discussion concerning this. Again, this kind of flows out of the whole issue that we've been looking at the last few weeks as Paul has been discussing various issues that have been going on, and at the heart of a lot of them has been selfishness and uh, pride. And when we talk about the spiritual gifts, this is a major area where people struggle with the issue of pride. When you think about your giftedness, this is an area that most of us will struggle in with the issue of pride. Is because we begin to think in terms of, well, ooh, look what I can do. Or if I wasn't there, they wouldn't function. So we're going to look, first of all, look at, look at verses 11, 1 through 11, uh, the source of gifts. We're in chapter 12. Read with me. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols. However, you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed. And no one can say that Jesus is Lord except the Holy Spirit. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are Differences of ministries, but the same Lord. There are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another interpretation of tongues. But the one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. Okay, here's the first thing I want you to notice. Paul did not want them to be ignorant concerning spiritual gifts. He did not want them to be ignorant concerning spiritual gifts. And really, I don't want you to be ignorant about them either. Here's what I want you to understand. When you became a believer, the moment that you accepted the gospel, and the gospel is Jesus Christ, Whenever the moment that you realize who he is and you commit your life to Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit enters into your life and he gives you gifts. And we'll talk about these gifts in a moment, but he gives you gifts to be used. And so he's, And that's what the issue of a spiritual gift is. He gives you gifts to be used, and he doesn't want them to be ignorant concerning spiritual gifts. Now, he reminds them of their prior conduct in paganism. Now, this is especially significant for these Corinthian believers. Notice what he says in verse 2. You know that you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. So, what what characterized pagan worship at that time was frenzy, activity, ecstatic behavior. And so it was very normal for them to get carried away in the worship of their idols. A good example of this would be to go over to 1 Kings, I think it's chapter 19, no, maybe 18, excuse me, 1 Kings 18 or 19, and you look at the prophets of Baal, and how, you know, they're trying to call down Baal to, to consume their, you know, it's the, it's the confrontation with Elijah. 
And what you see there is that they get all worked up, they take knives and they cut themselves, and, and they're, they're into all kinds of fantastic, really sadistic behavior to worship their God. And this is what Paul's reminding them of. When you were a, in your Gentile thinking, in your pagan thinking, you were carried away in your worship into really, really uh, just emotionalism. You got caught up and carried away in it. That still happens today in a lot of places in the world. And that's, that's what Paul's reminding them of. He's reminding them of their prior conduct of how they got carried away. How they got carried away in their emotionalism. Here's what he's saying then. Here's the test. Because here's what was happening in Corinth. So, obviously, there was something going on in their worship service where their emotionalism of the paganism carried over into their worship service. So much so that when the emotionalism took place, everybody was saying, oh, this is of God. This is from the Holy Spirit. This is, this is God in our midst. But the problem was, notice what Paul says. Look what verse 3. Therefore I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus a curse. Obviously, in their service, Paul must have gotten a report that when they were having their service, Somebody was getting carried away and was cursing the name of Jesus. And of course, that, you know, if somebody got up here and cursed the name of Jesus, how would you feel right now? Would you be offended by that? Yeah, okay. I, boy, really subdued. You should be, yeah, I'm offended. Now, here's the point. Obviously, there were some there, but there were some who were being real spiritual, saying, well, this is a manifestation of the Spirit, you know, whatever the Spirit does. Paul's writing them and saying, look, guys, here's what he's saying. No one is led by the Spirit to curse Jesus. Is God going to curse himself? 1990, might have been 95 or 96. I pastored in just north of Toronto. And in Toronto at that time, there was a church that some unusual things were happening. In. So it was, quote, the revival was happening. And a lot of people would go there and they would say, well, you haven't been there, what, how can you talk about it? So I went with another pastor there and to this service. They had services every night of the week. And it was packed. And I was, however, I, when they went around and asked where people were from, 95% of them were from the United States. They weren't Canadians. And they had a speaker who was from a church in Detroit who was a guest speaker. And while he was speaking, he was describing the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. And the group broke out in laughter. I'll never, I'll never forget that. They were, it was like, they call it holy laughter. And they broke out in laughter at the description of Jesus on the cross. Now, when that happened, the speaker Praise the Lord for a manifestation of the Spirit. Now, here's the problem I got with that. You think God the Father, God the Spirit, laughs at what His Son went through? See, this is what Paul's talking about here. See, it's happening today, guys. No one led by the Spirit, no one is led by the Spirit to curse Jesus Christ. Here's the other thing he says. Only the Spirit leads a person to recognize that Jesus is Lord. Listen, when somebody comes to the reality 
of that Jesus Christ is Lord, that He's the God of the universe, that He is it. It is not because they came to that conclusion on their own. It is because the Holy Spirit gave them understanding. When you came to that realization of Christ in your life, of who He is, and you committed your life to Him, that was not your little old brain. That was because God opened your eyes. Because what does the Scripture say in Corinthians, the next letter over, he talks about that the God of this age has blinded, that if our gospel is veiled, it's because the God of this age has blinded their eyes. Look, if you, if somebody says that Jesus is Lord, it's because the Holy Spirit has led them to do that. The Holy Spirit has led them to do that. Now, here's the point. Look at verses 4 and 6. So, He's then going to say, okay, so I want you to understand the nature of spiritual gifts. The nature of spiritual gifts is that the manifestation of the Spirit is always going to do what towards Christ? Lift Him up. Magnify Him. Glorify Him. So gifts are to glorify who? Let's just go ahead and lay this foundation right now. Gifts are to glorify Jesus Christ, not to glorify who? Ourselves. So, now here's the point. So then, he talks about the diversity. While there is a diversity in ministry, gifts, and activities, there's only one God. So, for instance, in this room here, we have a diversity of people here. I can already tell you there's a diversity of gifts here. I have certain gifts that you don't have. You have certain gifts that I don't have. There is a diversity of gifts here. There's a diversity of ministries here. You have a ministry, whether you realize it or not. You have a ministry. Whether you choose to exercise it, that's your decision. But God has a ministry for every one of you. Period. See, now here's the problem. Traditionally in churches, we have made ministry in terms of Sunday school teacher, elder, deacon, trustee, you know, pastor, missionary. They're the real special ones, missionaries. You know, and, and, and in terms of that, and everybody else is just, their ministry is sitting in a pew. Isn't that what, what it is? You know, so you got the 80, 20, 20% of the people doing 80% of the work. But that's not the way God's economy works. Everybody has a ministry. So he says there's a diversity of all of that. Ministry, gifts, activities, but there's only one God. Only one God. So then look, verses 7 through 10, he talks about the many gifts. So here he's going to get to the purpose of gifts. Look at verse 7. Look at what he says. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. Now, Paul states that gifts were given for the benefit of all in the church. All right, let's take a look at that verse. Look at what Paul says. But the manifestations of the Spirit is given to each one. All right, now notice what it says there. For your benefit. Is that what your Bible says? No. The manifestations of the Spirit, God's gifting, is for the profit of who? Everyone. See, when God gives you, this is the nature of God. Again, so notice something. We're moving, see how the underlying issue with all of the things that we've been talking over the last few weeks is the issue of pride and selfishness? And that the Corinthian believers, at the heart of everything they were struggling with, was their pride and selfishness. This is what I want to do. I have freedom. I can do this. Who cares about anybody else? 
you know, I want to throw my head covering off in a worship service, I can do that. The ladies, they would say that. Or, or if I want to go ahead and eat ahead of other people in, in, at the love feast, so big deal, no, it doesn't matter, it's what I want to do, it's my house anyhow. You know, and so all of that is selfishness. And so when we get to this issue of spiritual gifts and the problems they're having here, Paul's reminding them, laying a foundation, that first of all, guys, you need to understand that when you have a gift, it's not for you. It's for everybody else in the church. That gift doesn't belong to you. That gift belongs to everybody. So let me just stop for a moment. Rob, you have a gift. I don't know what it is. You may not even know what it is. Okay? But God will show you what it is if you're very sincere about it. And a lot of times it just happens naturally. But God gave you a gift not for Rob. God gave you a gift for everybody else here. Tom, God gave you a gift for you to use for the benefit of this body. God gave me a gift. Okay? Hey, I'm going to be honest. My spiritual gift is teaching. I did not, I did not enjoy, I was scared to death in high school of speaking. I'm an introvert. By nature, I am an introvert. You may not realize that, but if you talk to me individually one-on-one, you'll know I'm an introvert. I, it drains me to be with you folks. I have to take a power nap. Okay? After I'm done here. I'm serious. It drains me. Extroverts get excited and they're all pumped up and everything about being with people. I am drained. By lunch, I'm ready to fall asleep because I've expended myself. Okay? My giftedness is teaching. God gave me that gift to benefit you guys. He put me in an office to benefit you guys. He's given each of you a gift for your purpose. That gift of teaching isn't for me. It's not for my benefit. It's not for what I can do with it. It's for the benefit of all. And that's what Paul's saying here. Paul states that gifts were given for the benefit of all in the church. Now, look, notice something. Note that gifts were not given for personal benefit. In fact, the moment you use your gift for your benefit, you're abusing your gift. The moment you use your gift for your benefit, you're abusing your gift. Okay, so here's what Paul lists various gifts that were given to the church. So when you look at this list, and this list is not inclusive, you understand, because there's another list in, first, in Romans chapter 12 of various gifts that were given. I don't believe that there's any one list of gifts. I believe, based on the situation and circumstances of where that church is, he will gift with the gifts in according with what the needs of that church is right there. And I believe your gifts can change. You can be in one church where, you know, so for instance, like some people say, well, I'm a, I have a gift of prophecy. I'm a prophet. I can almost guarantee you that God is not going to fill up a whole church with a bunch of prophets. We would kill each other. You understand? Nor is God going to give a whole bunch, a whole church of people who have the gift of mercy. You know what I'm saying? That would be sickening. I mean, we need mercies. But to have everybody merciful, that would be that's just too much to handle. You'd be like, i got to go home and watch a war flick or something. You know? You know, you know what I mean? I'm serious. Okay? So, uh, here's my point. But So he lifts various gifts. So he's giving a listing here. Verses 8 through 10 lifts various gifts that were given to the church. But here's the point. I don't want you to focus on what the gifts are. So when you look through that list, I don't want you to say, Man, I wish I had that gift. That is not the issue. 
Because look at verse 11. Verse 11 is the key verse. Put a star by that item number F. Look at what it says in verse 11. But the one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. The source of the gift, Paul makes it clear that the gifts were given to the church by the Holy Spirit. Here's what I want you to understand. It's not the issue of what, what gift, or should I be seeking after this gift, or what do I need to do so I can have this gift, or I'm not a real spiritual person because I've never had this gift. You know what? That line of thinking reveals something. What does it reveal? Self. Self-centered. Because over and over, and right here, what does Paul say? Who gives the gifts? Spirit of God. In fact, look again at verse 11. Look at what it says. Distributing to each one individually as he's asked to. No, as he wills. Listen, you'll have some people who say to you, well, if you're not manifesting this gift, you must not be saved. You know what? Here's the problem with that. The problem with that, that's not biblical. He distributes gifts in accordance with what? His will. Do you understand? The source of the gifts are the Holy Spirit, and He gives them to each of you as He wills, as He determines according to what He wants to happen in that church, because the church is who? The body of Christ. Okay? So, we see that there. So, we see the sources of gifts. So, now he's going to talk about the diversity of them, and why is there a diversity? Look with me at verses 12 through 26. He's going to use the illustration of the human body. For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now indeed there are many members, yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, much rather these members of the body, which seem weaker, are necessary. And those members of the body, which we think to be less honorable... On these we bestow greater honor, and our unpresentable parts have greater modesty. But our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body, having given greater honor to that part which lacks it. That there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all members suffer with it. And if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. 
Okay, so let's talk about the diversity of gifts. First of all, the nature of the body. The human body has many members, yet is yet it is one unit. Everybody knows that. When you look at your body, it's not just one big eyeball or one big nose. There's many there's many aspects to your body. There's 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 visible parts, there's invisible parts that you can't see that are within you. And so here's what I want you to see. So there's many, but you are one. The whole of who you are is your body. Now let's go on. Here's the unity of the church. The Spirit has made many into one, the body of Christ. So here we are. We're many people with many different gifts, but He's made us all one body, the church. Let me just stop for a moment. The church is not the building, guys. This place could burn down. And then you'll see who really is the church. Because they're the people who continue to meet together. So, if the Spirit has made many into one, the body of Christ. Now, here's the point. All, all members of the human body are necessary to the functioning of the whole. So, nobody can say, I don't need my pancreas. How many of you can exist without your pancreas? You can't. How many of you can say, I really don't need that heart? It just races all the time when I've had too much caffeine, can't get any sleep. I don't need that. I'd like to deal without my sinus passages this time of year. Do you know what I'm saying? How many of you like to do without your eyes? Every part of you is necessary, isn't it? Every part of you is necessary to the functioning of the whole. So, I mean, think about what Paul said. Paul says, how can the head, head say to the foot, I don't need you? Well, okay, I don't need you. Then it just stays where it is forever because it can't move anywhere. See, that's the whole point he's making here. There is an interdependence between each part of the body. There's an interdependence. When you look at the church of Jesus Christ, we need you. Don't ever get to the place where you say, well, I don't, you know, if I don't show up, they probably won't miss me. We need you. Well, I don't really do anything. Well, you haven't really exercised yourself so that we can see the benefit of who you are. Do we need every one of you? Here's the struggle. Some of the older ones, and I have a lot of older ones here today. You get to the place where you say, well, you know, George, I'll use, I won't use you guys. I'll use my first church. Okay? I remember when I accepted the call to that church, I remember I was in a meeting. Three quarters of them were seniors, probably 60s, 70s, some 80s. And I remember one gentleman reaching up and grabbing his hair and saying, or you know, Pastor. We have a lot of folks here who have gray hair. What are you going to do about it? And I said, well, God's retirement plan is you go home. Meaning you die. And as long as you're drawing breath, you've got something to do. And that's true for every one of you here. You may not be able to teach Sunday school anymore. You may not be able to do this or do that. But you can do other things. 
And there's one thing that a lot of people don't exercise, and that's the ability to pray. And I'll never forget Jerry Falwell who said this, that nothing of eternal consequence is ever achieved apart from prayer. You can pray. You can write cards. You can pick up the phone and give somebody an encouraging conversation. There's a lot you can do. We, you, there is an interdependence. We need you. We need you. And that's the point I want you to see. So, let's go on. God has placed each member in the body according to his will. You're not here by mistake. So, I told some of you this. You're not here by mistake. God, you did not walk through this door by chance. I don't believe in chance. When you read the Bible, there's no such thing as chance. You're here because God brought you here, and when he brought you here, he brought you here because there's something that we as a body can do for you, and there's definitely something that you can do for the body. You didn't just happen to come here. You didn't just, you, you know, maybe it was a thought process of, uh, well, you know, yeah, you know, we've been around, and, yeah, those people seem nice. We'll go there. No, 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 no. That may be the human side of it, but there's a divine side that you don't realize. And you need to. You're here because God brought you here. And when he brought you here to be a part of this body, he placed you in this body with the gifts that you have. What? According to his will. For you to accomplish something here in this church, according to his will. So what does that mean? You're important. You're important. I heard Rick Warren speak about this. Um, he talked about his favorite verse was with reference to David. And he talked about David, about being in his generation, to serve his generation at that time, and then he went home and died. You're here right now because God has something for you to do in this generation, in this church. And then you'll die. Or Jesus will come back. There's something for you to do. Every one of you. There's something for you to do. Every one of you. So, that's God's prerogative. So here's the need for diversity. There has to be a diversity of gifts. Everybody can't be the same. It is necessary for the body that each member be different. Look, it's not healthy if everybody was like you. Did you hear what I said? It's not healthy if everybody... I mean, you'd like them all to think like you. You'd like them all to act like you. You'd like... Okay, at least somebody's being honest back there. No, I don't want to. No. Okay. But here's my point. It's not healthy for everybody to be the same. There has to be diversity. That's even true for the nation. Some of you are getting so worked up about, you know, ethnic and all this stuff in the nation. There has to be diversity in the nation. There has to be. Okay? So it's necessary for the body that each member be different. Let's go on. All members are equally important. No member is superior to the other, nor is any inferior. We're all on the same ground here. Well, yeah, I'm a part of the body, but man, I'm not as important as George. He's not as important as that other person. Hey, you're missing it. Nobody is above the other. I know some people act like they're above the other, but that's their selfishness. In God's economy, everybody's on the same ground. There's nobody inferior, nobody superior. 
And giftedness, especially giftedness, the area of giftedness is somehow how we judge the superiority of people. We'll say, well, they're, they're a whole lot better than me because they're doing this. No, no. God gave them the ability to do that, but that doesn't mean they're important. God gave you abilities that are necessary, too. So, for instance, there's somebody who cleans this church. If nobody cleans the church, does it really matter what I do? What do you mean? If nobody cleans this church, you're not going to listen to a word I say. You're going to be thinking about, well, those bathrooms are really disgusting. I can't believe that. Did you see how high the garbage is piled up? Will you be listening to me? No. There's somebody that makes sure the heaters run here. I know, because we've had a few seasons where we had the heater off, and I know some of you lost your Christianity. You forgot you were saved. And I, and I saw facial expressions and attitudes and even words that were not becoming of you as a Christ follower. All because it was 60 in here rather than 68. Yeah, you weren't listening either. No, you see what I'm saying? So do you see what I'm saying? There, there are people who are functioning within the body that it's just, there's nobody superior. If you know what I'm saying, there's nobody superior and there's nobody inferior. This is the point that Paul's making here. So let's go on then. He says, there's a mutual dependence here. When one member of the body is affected, then all members of the body are affected. So, listen, you know what I'm talking about. When you bang your thumb, have you noticed that when you hurt your thumb, it's not just your thumb that hurts, it's like your whole arm hurts. I mean, it's just throbbing. Boom, boom, boom. You feel the blood going through it. Every part of you is aching because of that one thumb. Or when you stump, you get up in the middle of the night because you hear something and your big toe catches something. And even when you lay down, you're like trying, and it's like your whole, you can't, it affects everything, doesn't it? That little bitty big toe. You see what I'm saying? Here's what I want you to see is that when, when one member of the body is affected, then all the members of the body are affected. Let, let's go on. We're going to wrap this up because we've only got four more points. Look with me, verse 27 to 31. Now, you are the body of Christ and members individually. And God has appointed these in the church. First apostles, second prophet, third teachers, and after that, miracles, then gifts of healing, helps, administration, variety of tongues. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles? Do all have the gift of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the best gifts. Okay, here's four points. First one. Each member is a part of the body, yet they are an individual. You're a part of this body, but you're an individual. It's okay. It's okay. See, some of you here, you're beating yourself up because you're looking at somebody else in the church and you're saying, oh, I'm not like them. I guess I'll never be okay with Jesus. No, 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 no. You're, you've totally missed it. Your, your thinking is wrong. You are a member of the body. You have much to give, but you're also an individual. There is, and God created you an individual. There's no one else like you. No one else like you. No one. Let's go on. Here, and God is the one who appoints the gifts 
for the church. So he's reiterating, who gives the gifts? God. Now, here's the reality of the gifts. Now, this is the one that will free some of you. And this is the one when you watch things on TV or when you hear others say to them that you need to experience certain gifts. You've got to take them to this passage because here's what he says, verse 29 through 30, they will not all have the same gifts. He says, are all apostles? No. There are only a few apostles, right? Are all prophets? No. Are all teachers? No. Do all have the gift of miracles? How many of you have the gift of miracles here? So not everybody has that. Not everybody has that. And so that's the point he wants to, to point out to you, is that it is God who will appoint the gifts for the church. Okay? And here's the point. They will not, oops, they will not all have the same gifts. Not everybody's going to have the same gifts. Not everybody's going to have the same gifts. And then finally, the encouragement. Paul encouraged them to seek spiritual gifts in their lives. Now, you're to seek the gifts. Now, God's the one. He said, wait a minute now. He's the one who gives them to me. Why should I seek them? Well, I think what he's talking about here is seek an understanding of the gifts that you have. So he's given you a gift for the benefit of the body. So like I said to Rob, Rob, you got a gift that we need in this church. Now, Rob's like, what? Rob knows now how to pray. God, what have you gifted with me with so that I can benefit the whole body? How, that I can benefit my church with? See, that's what Paul's talking about here when he advocates you seeking the gifts. He's not talking about you seeking gifts for you. whose benefit? Your benefit. He's talking about you seeking gifts for the benefit of who? Others. So when we talk about spiritual gifts, what we've got to remind ourselves, we're talking about gifts in terms of others. Okay, let's pray.